ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Back sooner than you may have thought, I am David Grubb, and this is the Heart in the Paint Daily Podcast. Since it is Tuesday, I decided that I would give you not one, but two pods today. In the first, I spoke with Glenn West from LSU for Sports Illustrated, and coming up in part two, I will be joined by the one and only Kelsey Nicole Nelson. Kelsey is the host of Listen In with KNN on Fox Sports Radio, and is one of the fastest rising broadcast journalists in the country. I came into my conversation with Kelsey with a rundown of topics that we were going to go over. It's a pretty standard thing to do. You know, you get yourself prepared, got my answer, you know, stats, facts, everything I'm ready to do to do the interview. But once we got going, we kind of just threw all that out of the window, touched on more topics than I thought we would, um, and just kind of let it flow. Uh, Talked about the WNBA, representation in media, sexism in sports, and I think it's a really important discussion, and I also think you'll enjoy it. So please stick around for that. I wanted to get this second one in today because I was on the daily media call for the New Orleans Pelicans, and I want to talk about what we heard from the team. The most important takeaway, um, Alvin Gentry discussing the defense of the Pelicans. With Jeff Bezdelic not making the trip to Orlando, Pels playing their best defense when the season paused, I wanted some insight into how they're adjusting. Who's in charge? Well, we find out that Fred Vincent has been running the defense um, during practice over the last few days. Gentry, Vincent, and Bizdelic are in regular contact. Gentry and Bizdelic get on the um, Zoom or whatever a couple times a day. They're going over concepts. They're looking at video. That's a good sign. I like that. Derek Favors also pleased with the intensity of the practices, which is encouraging. You wanted to see these guys come in and be upbeat about the situation um, as best they could, um, be ready to, to want to get on the court. And you knew that they were going to be, you know, champing at the bit to get out there and play because this team was coming together when everything stopped. And, and I think we've discussed this um, for for the entirety of this hiatus, really just at the time, until we knew that there was a season rescheduled, um, I think that was the one thing that we all felt cheated by. Yeah, it hurt to only have Zion for 20 games. But you still weren't disappointed in what you saw. The only disappointment we had going into it was that the Pelicans were not going to get the opportunity, so we fought, to make a playoff run. And it looks like, from what we've seen and what we've heard so far, the Pelicans are not just down there to play some ball. They're there to go and make a run at this. So let's hope they get to do that. Other things to touch on quickly in the NBA, 76ers experimenting with Ben Simmons as their starting power forward. Al Horford is going to the bench. Shake Milton steps in at the point guard position. He played really well for them um, in 32 games, uh, had a 39-point game. At one point, uh, so they want to see how Ben Simmons does the power forward. I think that's where he should be. Uh, he's not a point guard in the sense that he, when he controls the basketball, the lack of threat of him as a shooter diminishes his, uh, his potency as a point guard. But you put him at 6'10 in transition, because that's one thing Ben doesn't really do a great job of as a point guard also, is push tempo. 
you would think he'd be really great at that because he's incredibly athletic, he's incredibly long, and he should be able to push the ball, but that's not him. So what the Sixers want to do is take that pressure off of him of having to bring the ball up and set the offense. You can put him now as the role man in a pick-and-roll situation, get him backdoor situations, get him lobs, get him cutting, get him on the move and take advantage of that athleticism at six foot foot ten. And you get also get a great passer in that and rotation wise he doesn't have to end up behind the three point arc nearly as often. Now the biggest problem I've always had with Ben Simmons at six ten is that he has no post game. He refused to work on it at LSU. He always wanted to face up. He has not demonstrated an ability to score in the post in the NBA. So until he gets that, um, it still remains to be seen how well um, he's going to function as a power forward. Kawhi Leonard had his first practice on Monday after his mandatory quarantine period. He says he's stronger than he was before the layoff. And Doc Rivers says there are no limits on Kawhi. He will, however, be cautious with all of his veterans as the Clippers get ready for the playoffs. And so for all the talk about the eighth spot out West, and that is the number one concern for Pelicans fans by far. We have to remember just how fluid the rest of the standings can be over these eight games. With the second-seeded Clippers and the sixth-place Rockets, there are only four games between the two. There's no home court advantage for any team. Matchups are now more important. Number eight gets the Lakers. You know, that's about as close as a lock as possible. Unless the Lakers go 0 for 8, and the, the Clippers go 8-0, and they take, take over, go past them. But I don't see that happening. The matchup, though, with the Lakers in the first round has gotten a lot more interesting, though. Because now the Lakers don't have Avery Bradley, who chose not to come. Rajon Rondo out for four to six weeks with a right thumb fracture. The Lakers expect Rondo, Rondo to be back in time for the playoffs. But until then... The ball handlers they have on their roster, LeBron James, Alex Caruso, and Quinn Cook. When LeBron James goes to the bench, and I'm guessing LeBron is probably going to say, Coach, play me 40 minutes, 45 minutes every night if he has to. But if he goes to the bench and the offense has to be run by Alex Caruso or Quinn Cook or J.R. Smith or Deion Waiters or Anthony Davis, you got a problem. Clippers and Mavs also seems like a done deal. Dallas can't rise or fall from the seventh spot. Clippers a game and a half up on Denver. But if the Clippers decide to just kind of just use these as tune-ups and they fall backwards, they could end up playing the Rockets or the Thunder in the first round, and neither of those would be as appealing a matchup as the Mavs would be for the Clippers. I mean, do you want to play the Rockets with that small ball and having them shoot threes all over the place and get your team out there running? If you're the Clippers, you certainly want to be physical with them, but how can you be physical when they're playing a whole lineup of guys six foot eight and shorter? Then you get the Thunder, who are one of the best defensive teams in the league. They're going to play small ball with you with their three-guard lineup as well. And they were exceptional with that. Um, so that could be a harder matchup. The Nuggets could end up anywhere from the second seed or the sixth seed. And the Jazz could fall out of the top four, especially now they don't have Joe Ingles and Boyan Bogdanovich at their disposal. So we'll see how things shake out. All right, we're going to take this quick pause. And when we return, my conversation with Kelsey Nicole Nelson. You're listening to Harden Pay. 
Hard in the Paint. And joining me now is someone that I have come to really respect and admire. Um, just a hustler in this business because that's what you have to be in the 21st century. Uh, Kelsey Nicole Nelson. Uh, first, Kelsey, just give them a rundown of the myriad of things that you are doing right now. Oh, you know I don't do anything, David. I just sit in my apartment during quarantine and just watch my TV with no sports. No, I'm joking. I have been, I feel like I'm always running around. I am <laughs> always busy. My show takes up a lot of my time. Everyone should check it out. Listen in with KNN, presented by Fox Sports Radio. Lots of great guests every Thursday and Saturday. We do a live stream show. We just finished a full wrestling week. We had <laughs> Lisa Marie Barron. Kurt Angle, uh, Mayor Glenn Jacobs, who is known as Kane to the WWE world. And also we have a podcast version. So that takes up usually at least three days of the week for me. I also am a capstone advisor for Georgetown University. Shout out to my student, Jordan, who's doing her paper on the year of the black quarterback. So of course, what better timing than now to do that paper? Patrick Mahomes helped uh, make yes, that paper all the more fun with all that nice money he got now. So super excited about that. I also am a teacher for the college. I teach intro to radio and podcasting because it's 2020 and that's what everyone's doing now. And of course you have a radio background. Um, and then I cover all the great sports teams. So of course now it's covering from a distance, covering the bubbles <laughs> from a distance uh, with the mystics and the wizards. So it's been just a lot of, lot of fun, you know, and of course I do other things, but those are the, the main ones. And of course get up, just to go on fun shows like this one uh, and talk to people like David. And we, <laughs> We, we, we see, we talk to each other, see each other pretty regularly on Wednesdays we as well on KYOK um, during the lunch break with um, AJ Jones. So um, that's something that we also do together. Um, a lot going on in the DMV. To say the least, because say nothing happens in the DC area, right? Never. Nothing happens here. Never. So we're never busy. <laughs> so right now we have, let, let, let's start with the first thing, because I think this is the most, most pressing thing. Okay, let's do it. So we have the WNBA. Yep. The Washington Mystics won the championship last season. They are down in IMG Academy yep. um, with the rest of the teams getting ready to play. But this has been a very difficult couple of weeks for the WNBA. Mm -hmm. First, you had the controversy over um, Senator Kelly Loeffler and her statements. We mm -hmm. can get into that. And then also you had the living conditions of a number of the players – at the IMG Academy in Florida, yeah. the travel conditions for the players having to fly commercial rather than private, like their NBA counterparts. Mm -hmm. um, the WNBA just went to a really contentious situation and just to get their pay raised. Now with these things going on, yeah. it seems as if the players are coming together in even more unity on these issues and that there's a serious, this is, this is a crossroads for the WNBA in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think what you're saying is right. And look, I think it's nothing new. Women's sports are used to being kind of second-class citizens, even in their own country, by people who claim to love them. And it's sad because they put in just as much work as the males. You know, we hear it's 2020. We have so much change. You know, we see, I saw the lovely cover just recently of the first transgender model. I think it was on the cover mm -hmm. of Vogue. Like, we're making all these strides, and then you see us backpedaling when it comes to women's sports for some reason. But I think in times of turmoil, that is kind of when you get closer to others because the WNBA is saying, hey, this is a problem. The players are saying, look, 
We love playing here. Our fans love us. But look, we're just asking for basic rights, right? Like they weren't asking for anything special. They didn't want to be in the top, you know, on the penthouse of hotels and, and things like that. They didn't want bugs in their room. They wanted normal laundry rooms. David, stuff that me and you would require right. if we paid for hotels, right? So this is not, I, I saw someone say divas. Diva what? Diva what? Bed <laughs> what? bugs is diva right. behavior. Not like if you pay for a hotel, <laughs> you know, even if you pay for a Motel Six, you do not deserve bed bugs in your bed. It's just no. simple as like that. If you right? saw, if you see mouse traps in your hotel room, and then it, it also leads to just the very thought of choosing a high school setting for yeah. these women while the men are at Disney World. And you see them doing those live videos from their Instagrams, you know, right. like living the life. Like, and that dudes, life you know, they're like, good. man, this, this room is too small for me. And you have these women sharing dorm space yeah. at a high school. Yeah. It is, I mean, yes, we understand that the leagues are not the same financially, mm-hmm. but they are part of the same entity. Right. They are right. part of the same brand. NBA, and, WNBA. Come on, folks. So to allow this, it seems to me, you, the NBA spent $150 million. They got entertainers, DJs, barbers. All Everything to make them feel comfortable, right? Like literally made sure these players, you know, even though they're inside this bubble, that we're going to make them feel like they're at home because they're sacrificing three months. Well, aren't, David, aren't the women doing the same thing? Or am I crazy? Is the, is the DMV humidity hitting me where I'm not understanding what's happening? Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't get that. And I think that there should be more of an outcry. I think the, the NBA players should be part of that. Because yeah. to me, when the NBA players were having their discussion, when the union was, when Kyrie Irving was leading the discussion about whether or not they should do that, yeah. a number of WNBA players stood up and got on those calls and supported the players. We have not seen that in reverse up to this point. Yeah. I feel like that's history though, David, for sparks so long. I feel like black women have always been there for everybody. We fight through thick and then we've got your back, right? When we put something to it, but we don't get that same response back. It's kind of like, and I don't want to tie it to it because it's a different situation, but it's kind of like we're saying, Hey, Breonna Taylor and other black women who have been killed, murdered. And we're like saying, Hey, do not forget their names too, because they need to be in this fight. They deserve justice. Their families deserve, deserve justice. And like you said, WNBA players, I mean, uh, the NBA players, it's not just going to a couple WNBA games a year. It's being there through thick and thin supporting this league to make sure that they succeed because their success will help everybody else's success. So don't give me, you know, just taking pictures with WNBA players or, you know, being on their Instagram mm-hmm. channels or whatever. No, it's more than that, Dave. So like you said, I want to see an outcry. Everybody needs to be mad. And I said that, like, at the bare minimum, we need to make sure that these players have just basic, basic, basic rights. But what's happening to WNBA isn't new. I did a whole college paper in college on the National Women's Hockey League and their situation when they started. Women sharing rooms, not enough money to eat and different things like that. This is America. Sports brings in so much money. So you can't tell me some of our most brilliant minds, David, can't find a way again to just have them be able to go down to Florida because they're already sacrificing what the men are sacrificing, yep. right? You see the Florida cases climbing up exponentially and they're trying to bring us entertainment value. Of course, we're also fulfilling their duty as basketball players. That's all yeah. they want, David. It's, again, it's not rocket science. Me and no. you, I, mean, I think we're smart people. Yeah. <laughs> we're not talking rocket science right now. We're just not. Yeah, with, there had to have been enough money to, at the very least. See, this is, and this concern is what drives me down to the collegiate level and the high school level, that yeah. this is one of the premier 
professional leagues and associations in the entire world. Right. And they couldn't get the cleanliness of the housing straight in the amount of time. And they knew when they were coming. Like, that's right. what bothers me. It's like when you book a hotel trip, right? Like, if you know you're going to Mardi Gras <laughs> next year or Essence Festival, that mm -hmm. hotel better be ready when I get there because I put the reservation in, right? And even if it's not, wouldn't the hotel tell you, like, you know what? I'm sorry, you have to stay downstairs. We have somebody cleaning your room right now. We are so sorry. You know, what can we do to help make this circumstance better? I've had that happen before when I was at a right. hotel. And that's what they gave me, a $100 voucher to go eat because they knew they were in the wrong. They gave me something. But come but on, like, we knew we were planning for this. You don't have conventions coming to hotels now and stuff because everything's canceled. So everything before they could tell you, they can't tell you now. Right, David? Like, it's again, it's- And we're talking about the, look, I mean, look, the, the money to me is the thing. It's like, we, money tells you what people value. The yeah. NBA spent enough money to have people's courts flown to Florida <laughs> so they could have some familiarity with the floors in their practice facilities while they're warming up for these games. Yeah. That cost, <laughs> just that cost alone, that money applied to just the housing for these women. Could have made all the difference in the world. I mean, you see giant plasma screens in the guys' rooms. They got their video they're games. They're living better than me. I'm like, look, I need to fix my quarantine space because I'm a little short. <laughs> and it's, it, like you said, it has nothing to do with, it's just basic humanity. It's like, that's, that's the whole cool. thing here. That's all, David, right? That's what we're, again, we're not, they're not asking for, you know, the cream of the crop, right? They're, they're just not. But I'm so glad, though, thanks to social media, that it got exposed because I think this new culture we have on social media, I know some are calling it cancel culture and other things, but it brings light. You can no longer hide because what social media will do is they will find you. They will find you. They will call you out and you are going to be forced to answer. And I think we saw that upcry when the videos and the pictures were posted on social media. I mean, some of that food, I don't care like what people say, David. I, I don't think I'm bougie, but I'm not eating some of that stuff. It looked like mush. No. No, it looked no, like I'm, mush. Come that's on. The stuff that I'm we a world-class athlete. What goes into my body matters. And we would joke. That's stuff we joke about, about high school cafeteria lunches. High school cafeteria lunch is better than that, David. Which, I mean, like, you know, the, the stereotypical... <laughs> mystery meat and stuff like that and you like again these are the high these are high level athletes the best right. of the best at what they do and you say mm -hmm. everything that goes into them is important and to take that off the court when we talk about the mental issues that that this brings it's still you know a lot of people made fun of lebron james for saying it was like going in on a bid to go to prison to do this yeah. and yes that's an over exaggeration but the mental part of it is very similar. A gilded cage is still a cage. And I think that, you know, we look at the stress that these women are under in particular, and we've added on to that, the conditions. But you also have on the outside an owner in Kelly Loeffler, a U.S. senator who has decried the, move, the, the Black Lives Matter movement as a whole. And then you see what her team did today in social media where every player signed a statement Called her like, out. Calling her out. And, and when people talk about cancel culture, I, first of all, I think that's a cop-out word because there's no such thing as cancel culture. I think right. what is, is accountability culture. You can't Oh, I like that. I'm coining that one, David. I no, like you that. can't just say things anymore with, and just walk around and say, well, I'm sorry, you're offended. No, 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 no. We are at the place mm -hmm. now where you say things and people will respond and take according action for the things you say. Yeah. What is the next step for the WNBA? That's such a great question. Like you said, when you have your own players, right? Your worker bees, kind of like, let's think about it. I'm, I'll make it in simple terms. 
you know, the queen bee needs the worker bees. She's nothing without the worker bees. We all have people that pour into us. The WNBA is at a standstill now because they have somebody who has said some very offensive comments against a league that is majority African-American, and yet she doesn't understand the Black Lives Matter movement. Yet, we've been going on probably at least a month we've had these protests. And really before, the Black Lives Matter movement is not new, David. It didn't just pop up out of thin air. And if people still don't get what it's saying, when people say it's a divisive culture and, you know, it's trying to separate us, no, it's not. Because if anything, we've tried to, and we've begged and we've clawed and we've pleaded. We want to be a part. We want the same rights. We want the same opportunities. But usually it's fallen upon deaf ears. And being a Black woman myself, of course, I'm not a world-class athlete at all. Look, I'm just not. But I, I share a similar struggle in that aspect, just being Black and being a woman kind of at the bottom of the totem pole, David, and you know this, being just double minority. So it's even harder to try to get a place in society. And my thing is to make those comments and statements and put them public. That means you get to get public reaction too. And public reaction is not going to always agree with you. And you have a team that's hurting. You have a team that's hurting. And I'm glad the players have stepped up and said, no, we're not accepting this because they have power and they have purpose. You've heard me say this before. You need to always use your power for your purpose. And that's exactly what they're doing. And like you said, to not understand the WNBA as an owner, knowing that again, and like we've talked about, black women have always stepped out. We know that during um, uh, 2016, 2017, we had the Minnesota Lynx who stood up and the police walked out on them. I'm so happy you brought up that example because too many forget, David. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been consistent. Black women athletes have been consistent across the board, no matter what sport, no matter Mm -hmm. what venue we've seen black cheerleaders take a knee at games. Yeah. It's, it's been consistent. And yet here we are in this situation where if, if a white owner had said this in the NBA, I would have imagined that the action and the outcry would have been far more swift. Yeah, I agree, right? Because the NBA, look, they're not having it. Adam Silver, we like to, what do the young kids call him, David? He's woke, right? We have people like Steve Kerr, (laughs) woke. They get it, right? They just get it. And I don't think we've seen this level, but you mean we we bring up Dolan all the time, right? Or, Mm. I mean, there's other examples. um, Just people sometimes that were like, hey, what's going on, right? And we check them, right? We check them. But for some reason, in the WNBA, it seems like, this has happened and, and it's kind of been silence and hush, but why? Especially now in the culture we're in, you see people being called out. I would say, David, probably more than ever now, because mm-hmm. that's what culture is going towards now, right? Like everyone's calling people out. Hey, what you did is wrong. It's not right. And I'm going to say something about it and address it. And I'm not saying that cancel culture should be automatically, we get rid of people. No, but we need to at least have a conversation and you need to realize why you offended or hurt somebody. Because I think at least if you don't get to the table and talk about that, then I'll just use the word that we're all saying now. It's an entanglement. We don't need any more entanglements, David. I need to know what it is. All right? Right. (laughs) And that's what the WNBA is asking. So I think the WNBA has a big problem on their shoulders, and they don't handle the situation with Kelly Wright. They're going to be on the wrong side of history, and I think ultimately it's going to hurt their league, hurt their bottom line, and hurt everything else. Because, again, when your players aren't happy, you're not happy. What do men say, David? Happy wife, happy life? What happy players, happy strife the WNBA needs. Yeah, and, and the other part that I would add to that is the, the thing that we're also demanding of people is not just statements. So when you have the WNBA commissioner come out and say, well, that's not us. We distance ourselves from that. But no action is taken 
it mm -hmm. completely mutes the message. The message now means nothing. And I think that's what people are also, when they talk about cancellation, it's again, we are saying, we've heard your words, but what are you doing? And right. so that's where the players are now. They, do they even, you'd have to think as a player, is the league really behind me? Right, it, do they have it, my back? Do they have my best interests is what I'd be asking. And, and, and that's a position that they should never have to be put into. Now that also means that we've, we, now that we've had a Kyrie Irving and we've seen other players like former players, like a guy, you know, very well in your area, Etan Thomas. Um, oh, yes. And, and just a number of former players who are now saying that that opportunity may exist to challenge the status quo in that way. So that professional leagues do not have all of the power that players can have more power going forward. The vulnerability is there for the leagues. Right. I think player empowerment is going to become a huge issue over the next year, especially considering how many of these collective bargaining agreements all end around the same yep. time. I'm so happy you said that. You're right. Look, again, I think we're seeing players speak up probably more than ever. You know, we're seeing, again, this new wave of activism. And it's funny, you know, I had Craig Hodges on my show and, and something he said stuck out to me, David. He said, I wish more people had my back. I mm -hmm. wish more people had my back. We think about back then when that was. Fast forward to today in 2020, you see Kyrie, you see the call that he held, you saw players on it, you saw some also not on it, but you see what the Atlanta Dream Team did. You brought up that example and just so many others. You saw what other WNBA players were calling out when they saw the conditions that some players were subjected to. This is the new thing. If I'm an agent, if I'm a lawyer, if I'm anybody, an NBA executive, I'm realizing now that players care. And not even just that, when you talk about money, sponsors too. They're mm -hmm. looking at everything. They're looking at your stances on things. You talked about Eton Thomas. He has long been woke and long been outspoken <laughs> yes. on a number of issues, yes. right? Like, like we love Eton, and we, he's just a real one. Look, he's flip. He's a real one. That's the it's best way to put it. <laughs> read his stuff. If you have not read Eton Thomas's works or listened to him on any of the number of appearances he does, Eton Thomas is just, you know, and, and his, his tone totally belies his look. That's the, that is the, that's the so gentle true. giant. Like, <laughs> that's the he, was, giant. he was the most hardcore dunker I'd ever seen when he was at Syracuse. And uh, he was just the most And in days and here in D.C., we yeah. love E. Todd Thomas. I love but that like, guy. <laughs> but, I mean, I love him more now than I ever did as a player because yeah. he's just so thoughtful and so forward-thinking. And he's not in the moment. He's always been thinking about – two, three, 10 years down the road. Which is how you should be, right? I mean, you're in the present, but you always need to be forward thinking. I think we all understand we're trying to make the world better for our, our, our children, our children's children. If you don't have children, you're trying to make it better just for the future because America should not be today, you know, where it was 60 years ago. 60 years from now, we should not be in the same place. And I think especially COVID, I think has just exposed so many just inequities right mm -hmm. that we see we know in this culture in this country but i think more people are saying like just education right you have kids david some are like hey well we can just go to online learning well oh, wait a minute not everybody has hi-fi wi-fi uh, high-speed wi-fi wait a minute some people are having trouble getting computers that don't own a computer right so some things that people thought were simple it's like, hey, no, not all of America lives like you. And I don't mm -hmm. think people realize that, especially if you haven't traveled um, and just seen different parts. And again, kind of what exposed, got exposed to COVID-19. I don't know if everybody knew about the WNBA and some of the things that they face, but hello and behold, bubble life. Uh, we got some bubble tea with the WNBA getting exposed and just the culture <laughs> that they were subjected to. I stole that. I saw that on Twitter and I love that, but it's true. Like, and it's just, like I said, it's sad. 
like sports is supposed to be bringing us together. I know we all love these athletes, but again, they work hard for what they have. We work hard for our jobs. They work hard for their jobs. If you go to your job, you're expecting your boss to give you whatever they provided when you signed that contract, Mm -hmm. right? While that contract is inept, why it's, you know, why it's still active, that's what you expect. That's what they expect. And again, they're not asking for, for much. We saw what happened with the women's soccer league saying, Hey, we deserve more pay. We're out here winning games, winning championships and stuff. And y'all still trying to, you missed the digit in that, uh, in that last paycheck, yeah. you know, you missed the zero. Why? Do, it's like everything we do, we have to keep fighting and it, it gets tiring. And again, it's like, as a woman, you literally do get sick and tired of being sick and tired because every day it's something else. That duality of constantly is of the, of, we always talk about America as a meritocracy, which we both know is a lie. Because America is where we invented the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So that immediately eliminates the, co- the concept of a meritocracy. But when the women do outperform the men, like you said, like with the U.S. women's national team, who have won World Cups, who have won uh, World Championships, who bring in a ton of money. It's not that they don't, you know, it's one thing to say if they were winning and nobody was in the stadiums, but they sell out. And they're still being told, essentially, you don't. I mean, that's the argument. You don't work as hard as men. I, and that's so crazy. Like, come on. Again, it's 2020, David. And we're still saying these things. Not that they should have ever been said. But these, I mean, these girls, can, I would put them against anybody. I shouldn't say girls. These young women, these ladies, I would put them against anyone. Like, that's how good they are. Like, they just are. And we're still having this age-old debate. Do they deserve the same amount as men, even if they're winning more? On a national team, it makes no sense. I don't understand how in a national team there can be any discrepancy. (laughs) You're doing the same amount of training. You are doing the same. And then your level of success, I don't, at the very least, I understand the business marketplace. No, you're not going to have a $40 million WNBA player at this point. But in the international space, that, that, that there should be no discrepancy. It's no excuse for it. It's just no excuse for it. But this is why, David, thank you. Because I think sometimes, I feel like sometimes it's the only woman talking about these issues. But no, it needs to be everyone talking about these issues. Like I said before, it needs to be an outcry from everyone. All journalists need to see that this is a problem and an issue and address it. That's our job as journalists, to be objective and get both sides of the story. It means you need to talk to women and make sure that you're covering these issues. Because I think, too, for far too long, it's like we kind of know each other that cover women's sports, mm-hmm. right? We, we all know each other. Yep. It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be like that. Because everyone, your job as a journalist, if you have a women's sports team in your town, in your city, why are you not at their games? Come on. They deserve the same amount of coverage, too, because I think that's, too, how we get stronger as a country and as a society when everyone feels valued. And that's, I think, hopefully the path and the track that we're getting on in 2020. I hope, David. It's been far too long, but I really hope that's the path. Look, I, I, was in, I was in college, and you know, we're both ACC people. I went to Wake Forest. You went to Maryland. Um, yeah. but former ACC people. Former ACC. <laughs> You're Big Ten now. With my terps, right. Big we're Big Ten now. <laughs> but at that time, y'all are still with us in the ACC. And, um, yeah, my introduction to women's sports, you know, I, I mean, I played high school sports, but, you know, you didn't really mix. Our games weren't at the same times and stuff. So, but I, I played on the practice squad for the Wake Forest women's basketball team. You know, they had about five or six of us guys that would compete against them. And you start learning again. Yeah. Like, these practices are killing me. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is no different than what I was doing. I, I was getting taped up. I was getting, having to do rehab on my knees because I, I was busting my behind. Coach Summers with women, uh, coach women's basketball high school pl- players in the summer. Um, 
And then you go on. The thing that got me back into sports journalism was being an SID at Southern University of New Orleans and spending Come on. A- wait, wait, wait. I never knew that because you know my dad went to Grambling. You just said, what university? Duno. Again. I was at Southern I- University of New Orleans. In- oh, there we go. Okay. It was I heard issue. Southern, David. I, almost, I was like, where's the end button on my Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's where I got my, my, my juices flowing again because the women's team there um, was so great. They had the number leading scorer in the country. And I got to write their stories and ride on the bus with them, the volleyball team too. And yeah. at that point, you start really seeing the discrepancies because I was around them so much and saw how they got, even at that level, the lower level HBCU level, there was still a difference. And so yeah. like just, and, and I tell people all the time, you don't need a mother, a sister, a daughter to understand that right is right and wrong is wrong. Exactly. Yes, I'm so happy I, I, you said that. Like, it's important. Because some people will say that, right? And it's not true. Like you said, you just don't. You have enough role models in your life. I don't care who you are. And it just has to be parents. I think when we see role models, people automatically think parents. Your parents might not be your role models. It might not be your guardians. It might be your teacher. You know, it might be your family friend. It might even be your nail tech. I mean, we find these people just mm-hmm. anywhere in life. But to do right means you need to want to do right. No one should have to tell you, you, you know what's right from wrong. Um, and, and I feel like that's what kind of people will go to. I think it's kind of like this, what we're seeing in this country. You know, I grew up this way. This is the way it always is. You know, sometimes you see maybe the way you grew up might not be societally correct. And I don't know if that's the right word, but it's kind of like it takes me back to the Confederate flag debate. Mm-hmm. I think you're really seeing just so many <laughs> thoughts and emotions when it comes to the Confederate flag and what it means. And some are saying, or even, this, and the, even the statues being taken right. Out, right, David? Like, you're saying, well, this is my heritage and, you know, this means everything to me. But if we take down a statue, does that, does that take away history or, or heritage? I mean, I'm just, it's a question, right? Like, right. but if that's hurtful to somebody, seeing maybe a KKK leader every day they go to school and what trauma that can cause in somebody's head, isn't that what should, we should be talking more about, right? Because that's a real issue. This is a student that's going to grow up in American society and we want them to be productive and caring adults. So I just, and again, David, just so many things we can talk about on this show. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, just again, women, women, women just want basic rights and to be respected, to be respected. And it's, we t- it's clear as day. In the context of the sporting world now, we, have, we still have so many firsts that either need to happen or are starting to happen. So let's, let's quickly pivot over to Duke University hires Kara Lawson, one of the yes. great college best basketball players of all time, 12-year career in the WNBA, WNBA yes. assistant coach with the Boston Celtics, and now becomes the first black head coach in the history of Duke University's women's program. And maybe, I mean, I can't name too many. I know there certainly has not been a black head coach on the men's side. I know there's never been a black football coach at Duke either. So this would be the first black person in a major position of athletic authority at that university. Which is huge. A huge program like Duke. But it's 2020. And Duke has had majority black players on the team for how long? Talk about it. Look, again, (laughs) women's basketball, I mean, it's a sport where, I mean, of course you do have – it's diverse, but you have a lot of African-American players and these African-American players have had many contributions. And like you said, it's 2020 and we're still in a world of firsts. And there's still many firsts, David, that still need to happen. And we hope they happen in 2020. I mean, we've you know, just... we see more women scouts being hired in the NFL, but why are people just now waking up to that this should have 
been happened before. And again, we still need more. There's still this disproportionately represented. And Lawson is someone who you cannot say she didn't have the resume. You just talked about it. I mean, mm-hmm. accomplished, accomplished. She's done so much. 39 years old, accomplished. She's probably done more in her life than some, you know, already than some might even do in a lifetime. But she loves the game of basketball. She's a great analyst. She obviously played it. The woman knows her basketball. And to be able to lead a program like Duke that wants to contend for championship, I think it's great. I think it's phenomenal. And especially to be a black woman in that spot, I think about all the little black girls, David, that are going to look to Carol Lawson and say, I want to be like her. I want to be a coach for a university like Duke one day. So the teams in the NBA that have already fired coaches and started to have conversations, we know Detroit will probably have a new coach, Troy Weaver, um, as the GM there, their first uh, well, not their first, but um, another African-American in position of power, one of the few GMs in the league. But we have not heard any women's names being circulated for coaching interviews. We've heard the same old names as far as assistants. But, you know, Becky Hammond was hot last year. but We've not heard her name this year. We've not heard, you know, when do you think the day comes, whether we see it in major Division One men's basketball or we see it in the NBA, um, where, where there's a woman head coach running a team? Yeah, that's the age-old question. You know, I think the hiring of Tori Miller in the G League will hopefully start this wave. I really do, but it's going to be slow because I think, you know, again, we still are in this sports world, David, where people for some reason think that, you know, men have to coach men's sports. Even though on the women's side, you see so many males coaching, coaching people. Women, yeah. Come on, don't be hypocritical, people. I'm just saying. And, and you see that a lot. But I think we're kind of slowly but surely seeing it. I thought Toy Miller, I was so excited. I think that should have even got more coverage. But then you think about it, just women in general. You know, we have Maggie McPeak here. She's the only African-American female play-by-play, David. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's crazy. So, I mean, we see these numbers disproportionately, but I think the media side goes hand-in-hand kind of with the coaching side. We see a lot of these numbers, they, they look very similar. They look very similar because there's disproportionate amounts of minorities, not even just African-Americans, of minorities on the coaching ranks, right? I mean, in the NFL, it's the age-old question with the Rooney Rule, right? <laughs> like, it just comes and, back And to you've that. had some very good conversations about that. I, and I keep it real. Look, you know, David, this is what I think me and you do on our shows. I think we're very friendly and nice people, but we know at the end of the day, we have to give people real news. And you have, yes. to, you have to bring the heat sometimes. And it just is. And again, that's what our job is as journalists. It's a problem in the NFL. It's a problem in the NBA. It's a problem across all of our major sports leagues. We didn't even get to hockey and baseball mm-hmm. um, when we talk about, you know, <laughs> women in sports. But I do think that the NBA has at least begun to kind of push the metal. I think college sports, you, you, you see it, of course, on the women's side of sports that they're, you know, giving women opportunity. But again, I think this Duke hire, I think this Duke hire, even though it's on the women's basketball side, I think people are going to begin to pay attention more to women who might can hold a helm in that head coaching spot. And it's sad. It's going to be very slow, David. It's going to be yes. pushing and pulling, hair tugging. It's like that tug of war game where, you know, we're both still in the middle, like no side has won yet. That's what we're at right now. But I think this new wave, this new culture, these youngins are like, hey, look, we're not the same as generations before. We work right. for this stuff. We're going to earn this stuff. And we want a right and opportunity for this stuff. So I think we're pushing in the right direction. I think before both me and you are gray and old. Well, you're lucky. You can't tell. I'm not getting gray. You cut all the hair off. <laughs> so we can't really tell yet with you. <laughs> it's here if I let it grow. You'll see. <laughs> but I hope it happens. But I think me and you both know it's been far too long, far too slow. Uh, we need to push this needle and make change happen quicker. And on the media side, you and I, look, 
I mean, look, I lost my radio show and uh, through no fault of my own, but station change format. I was the first African-American to ever host a daily sports show in the city of New Orleans. A black city. city I'm trying to say that, David. Like, look, and you know, because we both have New Orleans roots. Come on, it's like it's crazy. Like, we just—I just had Rob Parker on my show and he talked about how in Detroit they have no black media members. Mm -hmm. Detroit, New Orleans, Detroit. I'm in DC, and DC is different now because we were again. I tell people this all the time: don't call us Chocolate City anymore. It's not. If you still call Chocolate City, you have not been here anytime recently. But even then, for a city that's supposed to be progressive with a black mayor, nation's capital. Black women in sports radio, David? Hmm. Crickets. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a media that for all of the major college basketball, college football, NBA, NFL, the, the sports that we most identify with African-Americans, more than 83% of the media is white in those sports. And most of those are men. They're just, we are still struggling mm-hmm. at this point to just simply be in the room to be in the room as now that Hamilton is so, uh, you know, is playing everywhere. Remember that there's the song in there about- <laughs> Wait, I still haven't seen it. So oh. I'm just telling you, make any references. But I'm just, just saying the song, the there's a song that says he <laughs> wanted to be, I, I want to be in the room. There's a song, I want to be in the room. Oh, and man. that's, you know, where decisions are made. And I think that's, that's the thing is, um, as these players assert more power, I think part of it is they also need to continue to push. And we've seen some do it. We saw DeMarcus Cousins out in Sacramento, um, and we've seen some other players start to push. Baron Davis has been very active as a former player on social media. Baron has been huge, supporting media um, and also women. Yes. You know, he offered to buy the stake in the Atlanta Dream, so he said, I'll buy it it out right right now. I'll write the check. So uh, it's going to take some more of these players as well to not only give us the access to tell their stories, but also to force these companies that work with the NBA, that has to be part of that accountability, not for just our benefit. It ain't just for right. my financial benefit, but right. for the ultimately in telling their stories accurately. And I think that's why so many players have taken to social media because there are not enough representatives who understand their background, who understand yep. the shorthand of language that they use and can speak to their just as they are. It's a new culture. Like you said, we see players now saying, hey, you know what? Thank gosh I have social media because I'm going to tell my own story. I don't always trust the media to. But I think you're right. Like, I think sometimes people see my show and like, wow, how is she getting all those different guests? I have to earn trust with these different players to tell their story. They have to know that when they come talk to me, I'm not going to try to alter their words. I come from probably a similar background. And I just want to have a conversation with them at the end of the day, because I'm trying to understand them and I want my listeners and viewers to understand them. But I think it goes further. I think players can help push black media. I always ask players too, you know, about black agents, black sports agents, you know, black lawyers, black PR, like, you know, just everything around you in the room. Are you helping push the needle for diversity? Because they, again, like you said, they have that power. We live in America. Power is what people want and dream for. And once you have it, it's what you do with it. And I think players are in a unique position to make sure that they're not the only diverse voice or person in the room. Before I let you go, um, I just wanted you to kind of address, and I'm trying to frame this right. I I have gotten to the point now with sports where I am just, I'm frightened. I am really frightened. And I want to do my job every day and come in and try to talk about the stuff that they're preparing to do on the court. I just had a conference call, you know, a Zoom call with the Pelicans this morning to go talk to them. But I'm scared. I'm scared. And I see the numbers 
and I see this push to put these kids back in school and I see these, you know, universities, high schools, and, and particularly for young people of color on these college campuses and high school campuses, I, I'm scared that a tragedy is going to happen. And what are we going to do when that does happen? Yeah. I mean, David, your thoughts, like, it scares me. It scares me. Like, I know our job is to report, report sports, but health and safety, anyone's life, is of the utmost importance to me. It needs to be. We're human beings. We have thoughts and feelings. And I've said this multiple times, but one life lost from COVID was too much for me. Now we have many. The numbers keep rising. And we see it's scary. I mean, you have asymptomatic people. We see healthy people, people that were healthy all their lives getting COVID and passing away. I'm tired of reading these sad stories. And again, I think we're giving a unique chance to possibly get this right. Some of us can't even do simple things such as social distancing, you know, wearing a face mask. You know, Bill Nye literally just dropped a video about the importance of a face mask. Y'all watched him in science class too growing up. Like it's just simple things. And yet we're, for some reason, thinking our athletes are immune maybe, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate and thinking we can just throw them back on these sports fields for our entertainment and joy because it's not a need. Look, I love sports just like the next person. That's pretty much all I watch. I just started watching Queen of the South again because I literally just watch sports. Like, I don't watch anything else. So I'm trying to catch up with what the rest of y'all watch. <laughs> but saying all that to say, if somebody, it shouldn't have to take a death, a parent grieving, a parent crying for us to be like, oh, well, well, because what's going to happen then is people are like, oh, well, well, it's your fault. It's your fault. We're going to point fingers and fingers and fingers. And everyone's going to not be pointing back at themselves, which is what we need to be doing right now, because we all have a unique opportunity in ourselves. If you're a parent, you don't have to be in the PTA. If you're a school board member, if you're just a community advocate, you need to call people out and say, no, 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 we don't have a clue yet about COVID-19. They just canceled school in Hong Kong. They had tried to go back and like, wait, we can't even control it. I mean, it's a global pandemic. Let's look at what pandemic means. It's a big problem. Again, people are dying. They're not just getting sick. It's not just a, a cold I chew. No, it's more than that. People are losing their lives. And we have a chance to, again, say, let's cancel sports for now until we find, as a country, as a togetherness, how to make this better. Is and it I, a- I mean, signing a waiver, David, come on. That's, that's unconscionable to me. And I've I could had, never as a parent. I'm not a parent. But David, I couldn't imagine. No, as, but at any level, I think just the, the, the mere idea of it, and I've talked to a couple of sports attorneys with regard to that, just the mere idea of a university or high school asking an athlete to give up their legal rights in order to be put into danger, knowing right. that the schools know that is a danger. And I think also you're going to see a heavy it's legal challenge. A heavy sorry, legal challenge. Yeah, a, a heavy legal challenge to Again, this idea of amateurism, if schools don't have people on campus and athletes are there, mm-hmm. at some point, some lawyer is going to get a hand, their hands on a, on a player and say, you are an employee. There you go. Because if, if you're here, you're an essential employee. Yeah, because right, other people aren't here, but you are. Uh, I must be pretty essential, right? Because um, I'm doing something that is needed because you guys said so. You guys, you guys said I need to be here. You said I need to play. So you're right. So you just open up a whole nother cams of worms as well. I was just, and I'm frightened finally about just the lack of accountability. The NCAA is punted on this. Mm-hmm. The, the conferences, the conference leadership are basically just leaving this up to athletic directors to decide. There's no uniform code of, of uh, care for these athletes. Mm-hmm. Going down to your high schools. Again, I am incredibly scared because we know Poverty 
and what that does to a school district where you might have one nurse serving five schools. Yeah. And she's yeah. only at yours on Tuesday. Yep. And yep. you got and that's two a wake up call for many two janitors for 1,100, 1,200 right. students. Think about it. And you're supposed to keep every, and think about how, how COVID is. Like me, David, I put sanitizer on, I wash my hands. I mean, I was already doing it before to be fair, but now I do it even more because I'm, I walk out with gloves and a face mask, you know, like I look like I'm in men in black or something. But I do that because again, like I said, it's scary. It's scary. Like you said, and if I don't have enough janitors at my school, if I don't have enough nurses, and then think about kids. Come on. They touch each other. Like they're, they're Everything kids. is touching. Everything. <laughs> you put your mouth on stuff, you know, like it, come on. Like, I mean, you can't spread germs any quicker. It's kind of like if a child gets a cold in the household, usually it passes through the household, right? Because, you know, the child is with everybody, you know, with mom, with dad, with the brothers, with the sisters. Um, it's just, again, there's too many questions. And I think, again, people are only realizing themselves and not thinking about others. Every school district is not like yours. Every sports team is not like yours. Not every team has resources, you know, at their hands or are rich donors or parents, you know, to come help at need or maybe doctors even, you know, that are affiliated with the team. It's just, it's not like that, right? There's a lot of inequity. There's a, there's an equity problem. There's a equality problem. There's so many different things going on. And yet we're saying, oh, we, we know all that, but, but go play and let's see what happens. I don't want to guess, David. Do you think I don't want to guess. I mean, at this point, and this will be our final question at this point, do you think that we're going to have a completed season in any of these sports? Oh, that's a great question. So we saw the women's soccer obviously start. I think we're going to start. I've, college sports, honestly, I will be very surprised if we see college sports start. I think professional-wise, they're going to start, but I'd, I'd be very surprised if they finish because that's the thing about COVID. I feel like it's almost this, like, I don't I guess, like a silent killer. You know, like somebody – it's the asymptomatic people, I think, that are getting us the most, right? If somebody's sick, like even if you're on an airplane, you're probably going to move away. But like, Stuart is like, look. I, I, something needs to happen right. but it's that person that's maybe sitting by you that's not coughing just sitting there eating their well they can't get peanuts on southwest anymore but eating their chips or whatever you know and then you get off the plane and you're feeling fine and all of a sudden you know you take a covid test and you find out you had it and then you weren't taking proper precautions because you didn't know you had it you've been in contact with so many different people and again this is how it's spreading so to me yep. and i see you know you, you see decisions like the ivy league and the ciaa and this, the decisions they made but when you have some that are still trying to play. And one, it sends mixed messages. And then two, it just causes confusion. And then three, again, how are you going to play? And we don't have the answers yet, right? Like how, I mean, literally you have the top health professionals, Dr. Fauci and others saying, look, we're still trying to figure it out. This is somebody who went to school, is smart, knows his stuff. We put him in that high level. He worked for it, but yeah, we're trying to think we can outsmart them and think, you know, let's just take a chance. Some chances, you know, maybe you take a chance on a lottery ticket. Maybe you take a chance when you gamble. But again, we cannot take a chance on human lives, especially when it comes to our young people. We as adults, we as leaders have a chance to get it right. So, David, I'd be surprised. I'd be very surprised if college sports start. I think professional-wise they're going to start, but I don't think we're going to finish. I just don't. Thank you for giving me so much time today. Please Thank tell you for me. having me. <laughs> we, you know, we'll be talking again very soon. We will. And, we're joined and, at the hip, David. <laughs> and it's almost your, we're getting right up on your birthday now, too. Last week being 27. Getting That's close right. to 30. So I'm enjoying so you know what you're supposed to do. You know what you have to take care of. So. What do I, oh, yeah. My ta- is this my taxes? No. No. Because oh, I'm doing that today. <laughs> yes. Well, you were starting on it. Usually, you got to finish. You got you started earlier, and now you got to get it. <laughs> yes. But I owe you something for your birthday. 
That's and what it was. Yeah. I have to take care of that because I want to make sure I get that to you because you are one of my favorite people in this. Oh, thank you, David. I and appreciated that. We have that Nolan's love. You know, no love like Nolan's love. So you are you absolutely excited. inspire me to do stuff every day and keep me grinding. Please tell folks again how they can follow you and um, and what you're working on. Thank you so much again for having me. Such a joy, David. You are my brother, truly my brother. My brother that I've never met, truly, you guys. We have not met in person. <laughs> we would have been at NABJ if it was real. DC, in my city, I was ready to host y'all, too. Look, I'm the, the most heartbreaking person about that. No, we we would have been at the sports uh, task force jam. We would have been up like, in there. Look, and Miami was fun last year, so DC was going to be even funner. So I'm very excited about that. But David, you're so awesome. Keep up the great work. Appreciate you giving me love. And everyone, if you want to follow me, well, you should follow me because I'm a lot of fun. Um, the Real K Nelson on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, Kelsey Nicole Nelson on Facebook. Check out my website, KelseyNicoleNelson.com. Check out my podcast, Listen In with KNN, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And also we have live versions on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live every Thursday and Saturday, 6 p.m. on Thursday, 2 p.m. on Saturday, and that's Eastern standard time thanks so much david again appreciate it i'm you. sure you've said that before you that that was not the first time you had to, to run off all those things that i've gotten better look when you do so many things and my mind is always forward thinking like and i'm also i like the girl likes to eat so i'm also thinking about what i'm about to eat after this um you know there's a lot of different things in my head david but look practice makes perfect <laughs> thank you so much again go enjoy your day with the family kelsey nicole nelson one of the best in the business we will talk again soon Thank you so much. Keep up the great work, David. And stay hard in the paint, David. We need that from you. <laughs> I shall. <laughs> I want to give another thank you to Kelsey Nicole Nelson. Please follow her on Twitter at The Real K Nelson and check out her show and podcast. Listen in with KNN. You can get that just about anywhere where you get your podcast. Thank you. Also, check it out on YouTube. You can also see and hear me tomorrow on KYOK Radio in Houston from noon to 2 p.m. Central on the lunch break with AJ Jones. Follow me on Twitter at DMGrub and at HITP with underscore DG. On Instagram at DMGrub and HITP with DG. Finally, you can visit my website, appropriately named HITP with DG.com. That's where you'll find all my writings, television, radio, and podcast materials. And you can also visit the Hard to Paint online store, which has some of so check that out. The shot clock's winding down. Go to the next one. This is hard to pick. I am a stop.